Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. So if you can imagine like Wednesday was a busy day, had a busy night. Thursday was a busy day, had a busy night. And then it came to Friday and I thought, man, Friday, I just need to chill out. I just want to relax on my Friday night. And the cool thing was, was that Sarah, who, that's my wife, she was going out to be at, to, at, at the Real Women's event that they had, which was like movie and a dinner on Friday night. So um, she said, hey, do you mind if I go out for the night? And I love it when she does because it means I can pretty much watch whatever I want on television and uh, anything. I save things to my list in Netflix that I know she'll never want to watch for nights like this so that I can watch what she never would normally want to watch. So, so she went out and I had to have a relaxing night. So I'm flicking through my list, right? And I clicked on the movie, The Shack. Have you, have you, I don't know if you've read the book or if you've seen the movie, but what I was looking for was a nice relaxing night. This was the most emotional two hours of my life. It was a poor choice for a relaxing night. No, I'm serious. I cried for two hours, you know, and, and I had to, if you haven't seen the movie, get a box of tissues and sit down and watch it because it is so emotionally charged. My wife, she actually came home halfway through me watching the movie and she'd just come from watching an emotionally heavy movie. So she walked in, she said, what are you watching? I said, I'm watching The Shack. She said, well, I'm going straight to bed because I can't, I can't watch something else heavy tonight. I said, all right. So I watch the rest of it. The next morning, she said, how did you enjoy it? I said, yeah, it's great. I cried for two straight hours. So anyway, it, was, it, is, it is an emotionally charged movie. And in the movie, and I won't, uh, I won't spoil it for you, um, but in the movie, there's this character uh, named Mac, and um, he goes through a really tragic event. And he gets, um, it's, it's a true story. It's an amazing story. And he gets a letter in his mailbox, and it says, it's, it's written from God. And he says, I'm going to meet you at this shack, right? And this shack is where this tragic event occurred. So um, he goes up there not really knowing what to expect and unsure of what's going to unfold. And um, the amazing thing happens and God meets him right there in that moment. And so he sits down with God at this point and says to God, um, you're supposed to be almighty God. You're supposed to have unlimited power and ability to change situations and circumstances, then why didn't you stop this thing from happening? I thought, I reckon that's been all of us at some point. You know? It's like you could just take out his experience, insert a blank line, and you could fill that space with your own emotionally charged situation and circumstance that still is completely unexplained to you. Haven't you ever said that to God before? If you're supposed to be God, why didn't you stop this? If you're supposed to be God, why didn't you prevent this situation from unfolding in my life? And I wrote this message for people that have prayed and they have just not had an answer from God. If that's you, you've asked God to do something, you didn't get what you prayed for, you still don't understand your situation, this message is for you tonight. 
So I want to read a scripture to you. It comes out of John chapter 12. Let me explain um, the lead-in to this passage before I read the scripture. The lead-in is that Jesus has just healed his friend Lazarus. He's just healed him. And there was a crowd of people that witnessed it happen, you know? And so the story where we pick it up is the very next day after Lazarus has been resurrected. It says this, John chapter 12, verse 12. It says, The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast, that heard, come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took out branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna. The reason that they used the palm trees was symbolic of the fact that they believed that through Jesus, that he was going to deliver to them victory, political victory over their Roman oppressors. And they had heard this is the large crowd that were there because there was a Passover feast at this time in Jerusalem. So they had gathered, but they had heard that Jesus was there and they had heard what Jesus had done. And they said in their hearts, this is the guy that we've been waiting for. And so they are laying down palm leaves for Jesus to walk across and they're crying out this name, Hosanna. Hosanna. Hosanna means save now or save now we pray. So they're calling him by this name Hosanna, which is actually a prayer and it means save now. They said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it was written. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. It would be so weird for a king to ride into town on a donkey. And yet this is what happened. And it happened to fulfill this prophetic word that was written about Jesus well before this event ever happened. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified... Then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had to be done to him. Verse 17. The crowd that had been with him when he caught Lazarus out of the tomb, this is the previous day, and raised him from the, from the dead, continued to bear witness. So because they were all at Passover, there was this large group of people walking around saying, this guy, Jesus, raised Lazarus from the dead. This is a miracle. This is outrageous. And the reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. Who would have thought that when someone gets raised from the dead and comes to tell you about it, that that could draw a big crowd? Unless, of course, you were here last week, because that is exactly what happened. But the thing about miracles is that they attract the crowd. They don't always keep them. Yeah? Miracles attract the crowd. They don't always keep him. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the whole world or the world has gone after him. That was an over-exaggeration, but they kind of saw it that way because they were jealous about the attention that Jesus was getting. I want to preach a message to you tonight called Hosanna, called Hosanna. Miracles attract a crowd. They don't keep them. They attract a crowd. They don't keep the crowd. 
This scripture that we're reading tonight is typically known as Palm Sunday. It is the Sunday before Easter. And churches everywhere will celebrate Palm Sunday because these are the events leading up to when Jesus is eventually led to the cross. And when we look at Palm Sunday, this event back on, on, on this day at this time was like MC, the MCG on grand final day. It was electric. It was charged. There were Jewish people from all over the place that had come together for the Passover at Jerusalem. Add to that this incredible expectation that they had of Jesus based on the miracle that he had just done. They were excited about what was to unfold. They were certainly excited, expecting that Jesus would be the answer to their prayers. Save us now from our Roman oppressors. Come and save us now. The Pharisees were there, the religious leaders and teachers of the day who were mad and jealous and they didn't like the popularity that Jesus was attracting and put all of these things in together. This is Palm Sunday. And amidst all of this, they have the crowd that's crying out, Hosanna, which means save now. I love it because it's his name, but it's also a prayer. It's a request, but it has a time frame attached to it. Save us. We are in a situation and I need you to intervene right now to save us. And here is the time frame immediately. Save us immediately. And they called him Hosanna. I wonder how many people have prayed Hosanna. I wonder how many of you have prayed Hosanna. How many times that's been the prayer of your heart? God, I'm in trouble. Save me and save me now. I want you to intervene. I'm in a situation and a circumstance that needs to be changed. And I want you to save me now. It's his name, but it's also his request or their request to him. Can you imagine if my kids did the same thing to me? Like if I walked through the door and the moment that I do, they said, oh, dinner because my kids can't eat till I get home. So really they say, oh, dinner, right? Sometimes my kids cuddle up to me after dinner. They could just call me dessert because that's what they want. When it's in the middle of the day and they snuggle up to me or they're being extra kind, they could call me iPhone because that's what they want. They want my iPhone. And you kind of think, well, that's really weird, right? But you know what I think? I think you do it to God all the time. I think people do it to God all the time. So you know when you go to God and you pray to him and you say to him, God, I just want to praise you right now. You're so good and I love you and thank you for being good. Now, now that you've got that little introduction out the way, you can turn to him with your list of priorities because you know it would be so rude to go to him straight with the list. So you say a 10-second introduction, some kind of niceties to, you know, just, you know, relax God, you know, God, I think, yeah, you're awesome. By the way, here's a whole heap of stuff that I need from you. And you start to request it. Can you imagine if you just started to call him by the things that that you wanted? What if you went to him and you said, dear Bill, 
Not that his name is Bill, but you have a bill that needs to be paid. So you just call him Bill. Bill, I need help. Um, dear promotion at work, I need you right now. Dear, um, dear new boyfriend that I'm desperate for. That would be weird, wouldn't it? If you actually called him by the things that you want. Imagine if your prayers were like that. Oh, new boyfriend. Oh, new girlfriend. You know, when you say that little prayer, that 10 second in, like, into, you know, introduction to get to your list, you know that God really knows what you want in the first place. In fact, I'm going to blow your mind tonight. He actually has seen your future anyway. So he knows what you're going to ask for. He knows the list that's on your Heart. He knows what you want from him. One of the things that I've learned about God is it doesn't matter how many requests you give him. He doesn't always answer you. He certainly doesn't always answer with a yes. And nothing fails like unmet expectations. Nothing fails like unmet expectations. And you know, sometimes God is going to say, go. That's what you want. Sometimes he's going to say, slow. You're disappointed, but you'll accept that answer. And sometimes he says, no, you don't like it. Now, it's a perfectly acceptable answer, but I just wanted to give you the heads up. If you're a Christian and you plan on following Jesus, there will come a time in your life where you're going to hear no. He's going to say it to you. And when he does, it's perfectly acceptable for him to do that. You know, my... Uh, Years ago, my, my grandfather, my papa, he died when he was 59 years old, which is young. And he died of cancer. And before he died, my family, my church, our friends, we all prayed that God would heal him. And our expectation was that he would. So it was a total letdown when he died because we were so convinced in our faith that God would totally heal him. He didn't do it. It was a total disappointment. It was a disappointment not just in the fact that our prayer wasn't answered. It was a disappointment not in the fact that, you know, my, my, my papa had, had passed away. That disappointment then shifted from our circumstance to God. And we didn't just become disappointed with the fact that our prayers weren't answered. In some way, I promise you, we were disenfranchised with the God that didn't answer our prayers. We wanted to know why the Almighty God, with unlimited power and ability, just like Max said at the shack, we wanted to know why. Why with his limitless power did he not heal my grandfather and, and make sure that he didn't die? And so when you become disenfranchised with God or you get enough no's in life, something interesting starts to happen. I'll just tell you what it is. Some of you just trust him less. Because it's like you pass a tax on to the next prayer. It's like he didn't answer that once, so the next time you pray, 
You're like 95% sure he's going to answer it. But if that's no, the next prayer might be 90, 85, 70, 60, till you get to a place where you're not even sure. And then when we talk about praying to God with faith, now it's confusing because you're like, it's hard for me to have faith when I've had so many no's. But I started to think about that. And I started to think, what would happen if the only way that your trust was built with God was, was that he had to say yes to you? Huh? If your trust is only built in an environment where God exclusively says yes to every request, how do you think that's supposed to work? All right, let me take it a step further. What if you and I are both praying about the same thing, but we want different things? Now what's he supposed to do? Imagine for a minute if God was required to answer yes to every person that prayed for something on planet Earth, and the only way that humanity would trust him is if we all got a yes. Can you see chaos? Let me give you an example of this. Some of you are winter people. So you love, oh, you love big jackets, and you love to be rugged up. You just want to wear a beanie. Summer is a disappointment, right? Well, I just want to let you know you have problems. Because summer is the best, all right? You can go to the beach. And I would pray for a perpetual summer. And some of you, just the ones with problems though, might be praying for a perpetual winter, right? Because that's what you want. Now, how is God supposed to meet both of our requests? Well, let me explain it to you. He doesn't. He actually doesn't answer you and he doesn't answer me and he doesn't feel the need to do everything that we say all of the time. This might blow your mind, but it's something you need to know. He has his own plan. He has his own plan. And as he begins to roll it out, he doesn't always explain it to you. And when he rolls out his plan and he doesn't explain it to you, you have no closure on why you got a no instead of a yes. So you go to him and you ask him, God, I want you to explain why you didn't answer my prayer. How come things didn't work out? And all you get is brass heavens. Do you know what I mean by brass heavens? It is silence. You're putting the prayers up, but God's not speaking. You're not getting anything back. This thing that I'm talking about right now is potentially one of the most frustrating things about having a relationship with somebody that's completely invisible. Because you would go and grab him and demand an answer, only he is spirit, so you can't do that. He's invisible, that doesn't help. And if he decides not to explain that, you've got no hope of actually finding it out. And I started to think about this. Man, imagine if Jesus had answered Hosanna that day. Save now. From what? From our Roman oppressors. If Jesus had have answered their prayers with a yes, he would have totally missed his calling. He would have totally missed it up if he tried to please everyone. Can you imagine 
if he just decided to change the course at this point in the journey. So, so he's on his way to the cross, right? And he's riding a donkey, right? And so he's riding his donkey and coming into town. And as he's riding, they say, hey, why don't you free us from our Roman oppressors? And he says, that's a great idea. You know what? Scrap that whole cross thing. I wasn't keen on that anyway. Got a great idea. Why don't we embrace this new idea, which is to save you from Roman oppressors? Yes, this sounds like I might actually have life at the end of it. Imagine if he decided to lead a revolution at that moment. But we know he didn't lead a revolution at the moment. We know he didn't answer the crowd with yes, because Jesus and God, they typically don't answer everyone with a yes, because they have a plan that's bigger. They have a plan that's better. And it's not one that we always know about. We know that Jesus didn't really buy into what the crowd was saying. Oh, you have come here. You're a king. Yes, you're a king. Yes, you're going to save us. Yes, you're going to free us. Yes, Jesus doesn't buy into the hype. He doesn't buy into what the crowds say about him. One of the reasons we know that is in the very next chapter, John chapter 13, you can find Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. You should know that he was first a servant before he became a savior. And he didn't lean in and listen to what everybody else said because he knew why he was there. He knew why he had come. That's why he didn't say yes. You know, sometimes a yes would mean you end up with less. If God gave you what you asked for, you could potentially end up with a lot less than what he was prepared to give you. I mean, imagine if you said, God, um, financially, I mean, you might have to say it this way, Bill, I need your help right now. Come and miraculously save me from my situation. And he could do it, but the problem is, is that if he miraculously answers your prayer, you could not learn something, you might not learn something about stewardship. If you're the kind of person that is constantly in debt and never has savings and is always saying, God, give me a miracle, I've got a feeling that God wants you to learn something else. He might want you to learn this principle called stewardship so that you don't keep getting into the same problem, which will give you credibility in your life. And you might be in a position to help somebody else. That's a much better position for you to be in so you get a no instead of a yes. Or what if you said, God, I mean, oh, new boyfriend, new boyfriend. And God says, yeah, all right, well, you know, I could give you a new boyfriend, but here's the problem. You have a hole in your heart right now and you think that the solution to your problem is if you got a new boyfriend. You think that the needs and the desires of your hearts will be filled when you get a new boyfriend. Your problem right now is that your identity is not completely in me. So how about we make a deal? First of all, know who you are in Christ. Be complete within your relationship with me and yourself, right? And then I might add a boyfriend to you so you don't pass on to him some pressure that he's not supposed to carry in your life in the first place. Oh, promotion. 
promotion. God says, I could give you that promotion, but if I gave it to you, then the thing that I want to do with you next month, the ministry that I plan to call you out into, you would probably say no to that. So I'm going to say no to your promotion so that you'll say yes to this ministry. And the whole time this is going on, you have no idea what God's going to do or what he's wanting to do. And because of that, you might be where you don't want to be, but you are where God wants you to be. And sometimes those places are very different and that is okay. The crowd that were calling out to Jesus, Hosanna, save us now, change your plans and say yes to us. We want you to give us earthly freedom. But if Jesus had said yes to them, the spiritual freedom that's been afforded to the millions and millions of people since that event wouldn't have happened. Which means the grace that you now stand in as a result of Jesus saying no to the crowd, that wouldn't have happened. You wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. We, would, we, we might still need to work for our salvation. We might need to please God through our behavior and through religion. Thank God we don't have to do that. We have grace that's come through Jesus Christ as a result of Jesus saying no to everyone else to stick with the plan that God gave him, which was to say yes to him and him alone. And he walked all the way to the cross and delivered spiritual freedom. The problem is the crowd didn't know that, did they? Come on. They didn't know that. They didn't know that. In fact, they had, they had no idea what God was about to do. They had no idea. They didn't know that God had a better plan. Five days later, this same crowd that Jesus didn't buy into the hype with, that Jesus didn't listen to, that said, you're the savior, come and save us, Hosanna, were the same crowd that were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. They are the same group of people that didn't understand what God was wanting to do. They didn't understand that God had a better plan. And as I begin to say that, some of you are clicking right now. Some of you are getting it. You're saying, okay, I get it. I know what you're saying. You're saying that when God doesn't answer my prayer, that it's because he's got a better plan. But I assure you, my plan actually is a good one. No, really. No, the prayer that I'm praying, I know I understand they got it wrong. But I'm not getting it wrong. I know what I should have. I know what God should give me. My prayer request isn't bad. All the things I'm asking God for, they're actually good things, you know? Well, there was a man once in the Bible... His name is Job, and he went to God and said, you don't know what you're doing either. And this was God's response to him, to Job, who went through absolutely tragic circumstances and demanded a response from God. He says to him in Job 38 and verse 4, God says to Job, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Oh, come on, tell me if you have understanding. Who determined this measurements? Oh, surely you know. Who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? 
When I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, thus far shall you come and no further. And here shall your proud waves be stayed. He's setting the limits of the ocean. He says, have you commanded the morning since your days begun and caused the dawn to know its place that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth? He goes on to say in verse 16, Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare if you know all of this. It kind of goes on. I'm not going to read anymore. He just kind of lays it out for Job and he's saying, Job, when you pray and you think I'm getting it wrong, You're seeing a little bit of a little bit of a little bit and you pray and you're disappointed with me. But when I answer prayers, I'm not just seeing the little bit of a little bit of a little bit. I take into consideration everything that's happening sovereignly across the universe and I am predetermining what should be answered, what's in accordance with my will. I know what are the things that you should be asking for. I'm not going to give you something that's going to harm you. I will give you things that start to help you. You should know that God knows who you need, what you need, and when you need it. He knows all of it. My, uh, my wife and I, right after we got married, we went on a honeymoon and we went to Thailand and we stayed at this great resort. And at the resort, they had a number of restaurants. They had a Thai restaurant there. And so we went and um, my wife and I, we love to eat spicy food. We love eating you know, hot food. So um, chilies and all the rest of it. So we went there and uh, I ordered my uh, you know, curry or whatever it was that I ordered. And my wife is looking at the menu and she sees this dish called the jungle curry. Now, the jungle curry had like this extreme rating on it, like it was super hot. So the Thai waiter comes out and he says, you know, what would you have? What, 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 what do you guys want to order? And, and I ordered mine and then Sarah said, I'll have the jungle curry. And he goes, <laughs> no, you won't. And she said, what? He said, no, 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 that's not for you. And she said, he said, what, what would you like? And she said, well, I would like to order the jungle curry. He goes, ha, 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 ha. no, no, you can't have it. And she said, well, why can't I have the jungle curry? He said, oh, it's, it's too hot. No Westerner can order this dish. All right. And we were really amazed by that. And it was on the menu. And he honestly wouldn't let Sarah order it. And so she had to choose something else. You know, the reason why he didn't let Sarah order the jungle curry was because he cared too much about her to let her have it. Can I tell you that God is infinitely better than a Thai waiter? He understands what is good for you. He understands what could ultimately harm you. And you could get what you want, but it might not be what you need. Or you could get what you want, but it might not actually help you. And I was thinking about the way that that God answers some of our prayers. I was thinking about how he answers them sometimes with a no. But I realized something about Jesus. I realized something about him that if he understood 
that there was a donkey waiting in the next town for him to hop on and ride into town. If he knows that that's in the next town, don't you think he knows what's down the road for you? I mean, don't you think he's seen your tomorrow? Don't you think he knows what could be coming up in your life and what would be best for your situation and your circumstance? And you see God's apparent lack of response. By the way, sometimes when you get a no, you think he's not speaking. It's just that you're dissatisfied with the answer. And that's what the problem really is. Well, God hasn't answered me. (laughs) Yeah, he did. You're just not allowed to order the jungle curry. Yeah, he did. He just told you no. He said no, because he knows what to give you. And you say, but I don't understand. I mean, I have no I have no closure on my situation. I have no closure on my circumstances. I don't understand why God would let this happen. And I'm going to give you a little piece of advice right now. And would you do this? Not for me, but you do this for you, because this is going to be so helpful for your relationship with God and for your future. The next time you come to a place where you either get a no or you just don't understand what God is doing in that very moment, I want you to trust Him. I want you to trust what he's doing in your life in the place where you don't understand in that very season where you have no idea what God is doing in the place where it's not as you pictured in that place that is the place that you need to trust him that's the place where you say God I don't understand it but the trust is the thing that will bridge the gap And I don't have to get a yes to know that you want what's best for me. And you kind of need to adopt this position because the truth is, is that God is not always going to explain to you why he's doing what he's doing. But that's okay. It's okay. You know why it's okay? He doesn't have to explain it. Because when you know him, you know you can trust him. And if if you're trying to determine... Whether you should trust Him, don't take your cue from the land of not understanding. If you were going to make a decision on whether God could be trusted or not, wouldn't you just look to the cross? Wouldn't that be the place where you would make all your decisions about whether you can trust Him? Because the same God that said no to you is the same God that said no to Jesus. Because there was a time when Jesus said, is there any other way? Could you let this, car, this cup pass from me? I don't want to die. I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to experience this. And God said no to him so that he could say yes to you. So that the next time that you come to him and you say, I've messed up, I've screwed up these things with my life. I've crossed boundaries I said I'd never cross. I've made so many mistakes in my life. Would you forgive me? He said no to Jesus so that in that moment he could say yes to you. So that later he would be in a position to forgive you when you've done nothing deserving of his grace. And yet, He says, I'm going to forgive you right now. I'm going to pour out so much grace on your life. And you've done nothing to deserve it. But the only thing you need to do is ask. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for God to come into your life. He said no to Jesus so he could say yes to you because it was part of a plan that was so much better. Let me finish the rest of this passage from John chapter 12. He says this in verse 20. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. 
So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. And they asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them. And now he's talking to the crowd. And it says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I just thought it was interesting that Jesus used the word glorified instead of betrayed and crucified. I guess that's just a perspective thing. I, I hope that the next time I'm in a situation where it doesn't look perfect, I can have the same kind of faith and perspective that Jesus does. I love that he said glorified instead of betrayed and sacrificed. He said, now is the hour. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Verse 24, truly, truly, I say to you that unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now, up until this moment, the crowd was listening to him. And probably what they were expecting to hear was Jesus's plans for world domination on the earth and how they would beat back the oppressors called the Romans. So the crowd, MCG, grand final day, with bated breath, are listening to this plan as it's beginning to roll out. They're like, here he is. This is it. He's going to say it. Here's the plan. Are you ready for it? I'm excited. This is the guy. Hey, this is the guy that's going to lead us out of this moment, right? Are you ready for it? Here it is. Jesus says, oh, here it is. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And they were like, what? I was with you when I thought you were going to give me a yes. But now... It actually looks like you're asking me to sacrifice something. Now it looks like someone's going to die. And that doesn't sound too positive because unless it's the Romans, I'm not interested. You know, he goes on to say more. He says, whoever loves his life. And they said, yes, yes. Whoever loves his life loses it. What? What? No, 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 no. And whoever hates his life in this world would keep it for eternal life. What? Jesus Shush now, we don't want you to speak anymore. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. They were with him up until the moment he said no. It's interesting how the the miracle can attract the crowd, but when they get the heart of Jesus and what he's really about, they said, no, this is not for me. Why? Why? You know, in verse 37, that says that they didn't believe him. They just didn't believe him anymore. They believed him when they saw the miracle, but the moment they heard his testimony, they said, no, 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 we're not buying into this. Verse 37, they didn't believe him anymore. You know why? Because he didn't deliver what they demanded. They wanted a revolution. He gave them a revelation. He said, I'm not here for what you think I'm here for. Sometimes Jesus is not there for what you think he's there for. And don't be disappointed if he eventually comes and says to you, no, because in actual fact, if you look at what was unfolding, the cross, the gospel of Jesus Christ, he was giving a better answer to a better prayer they hadn't even prayed yet. They weren't even smart enough to ask what they could hope for. And God says, I will give you something infinitely better than Hosanna. Save now. I'll give the world something infinitely better than to free you and give you some momentary and earthly freedom because what I'm about to bring to planet earth is unmerited, unbelievable grace that's going to be poured out on the cross. And why did he do it? Because he loves them. 
when you don't get what you want, you got to know in that moment that He loves you. Just because He didn't say yes, it's not that He's ignoring you. Do, do you know how much you mean to Him? Did you know that you are the apple of His eye? Did you know that the hairs on your head are numbered? Put your hand on your heart right now. Say, it's for me. I want you to repeat it. Say, it's for me. I've got, got like five of you. Say, it's for me. I want you to understand that the grace that's poured out on the cross, it's for you. He knows every breath you'll ever take, every single day you'll ever have, it's counted. He knows every tear you cry. He knows everything that you're going to do tomorrow. He is acutely aware of every painful experience you've ever had. And just because he says no doesn't mean that he's ever left you or ever forsaken you. Can I tell you that he's more committed to you than you've ever been to him? And he made you a promise that he would never leave you and he'd never forsake you. Say, it's for me. It's for you. It's what he came for. And sometimes we go to him and we say, well, God, my bills are still here. God, I'm still single. God, I still don't understand why my papa died. God, I still don't understand why my uncle died. We have to live with sometimes not knowing all the answers. And that's okay. Because we know who he is. And that is unimaginably important because it explains everything he does. You understand that? Are you with me tonight? Why don't you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you right now. And I want you to, uh, I want you to understand one thing. God knows who you need. He knows what you need. He knows when you need it. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.